Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Unbothered with your host, Josh. Excited to be back after taking a week off. A lot to get into. A lot happened last week and really the first week of free agency. I'm going to talk about the winners and losers of free agency. I'm going to talk about Lamar Jackson. I'm going to get into the NBA, load management, March Madness, all that great show. But I'm going to start with probably what was the biggest news of last week and what we're still awaiting to hear finalized is Aaron Rodgers to the New York Jets. Made an appearance on the Pat McAfee show last week, last Wednesday, and says it wasn't going to be a decision, but to really clear up the timeline of events that were happening. So he said his decision or his intent was to play for the New York Jets. Uh, had a lot to say about uh, kind of a whole situation. Uh, I mean, it was an hour long of Pat McAfee, and I thoroughly enjoyed him ripping Adam Schefter. Uh, and then kind of just going through the process with the Packers and how they're sort of done with him, how he was 90% retiring. And then he comes out of retirement and they're looking to move on from him. Or he comes out of a darkness and the Packers are looking to move on. And he thought he thought that was strange. But now his decision is to play for the Jets. Now, I think this is great for both the Jets and for Aaron Rodgers. I think this is good for Aaron Rodgers. Because uh, I think uh, things in Green Bay have started to become a little... Uh, mundane, routine, and, you know, very rarely do I know somebody that's been at the same place, same job for 20 years, and they're still happy doing it. I do think Aaron Rodgers needs a change of scenery. I think this is good for him to go outside of football, outside of Green Bay, where he has spent the past 19 years, and his in my opinion, relatively underachieved considering how great, how talented he is to only have one Super Bowl appearance and one Super Bowl win. Uh, So I think him getting out of Green Bay, it's good for him. I still think he can play football. Yes, last year was a down year. uh, But again, I still think he can play quarterback at the highest level. And he really, to me, is a great fit for this young team. New York Jets, uh, to me, have a lot a lot to like and a lot of pieces that are young on offense. Uh, they have Offensive Rookie of the Year, wide receiver, Garrett Wilson, who happens to wear 17, which was Devontae's number in Green Bay and, you know, with 17-12 connection that they had. Uh, maybe they can replicate it. Uh, we saw what Aaron Rodgers and Christian Watson did late in the season. Uh, I think Garrett Wilson's a little better than Christian Watson, so this is an upgrade for him in receiver core. Uh, They also signed Alan Lazard. Who knows if Randall Cobb or OBJ or anyone else is going to sign, but that's a good group they have to surround Rodgers. Again, your stars are young. Garrett Wilson, what would have, I think, been the offensive rookie of the year if he didn't get injured in Brees Hall, their running back? Is coming back. He was fantastic last year. 
to have a run game uh, to rely upon, I think is good. Uh, some of their offensive linemen, Derek Tucker, Beckton, uh, not super strong, but they are young. And then on defense, uh, Sauce Gardner is the cornerstone of that. So, you know, very, uh, very good there uh, that they're able to do that. So I think having a veteran presence at quarterback for the New York Jets is going to be a crucial piece for this young team because he is a leader. Uh, yes, he is passive-aggressive and, you know, makes sly remarks. Uh, he said that to uh, Christian Watson last year. So, you know, he'll say some things that might ruffle some feathers, uh, but he, he'll take uh, accountability and, you know, go on the Pat McAfee show and he'll point out other people's faults uh, very clearly so he doesn't take all the blame, but he does admit, you know, when he isn't playing up to snuff, uh, something, you know, Zach Wilson uh, just didn't do uh, a great job of last year, uh, you know, didn't take accountability. Uh, Garrett Wilson and really the players there, the skill position players, I just didn't want Zach Wilson to start another game. They were so happy when Mike White started or other players came in because they did not want Zach Wilson throwing the football. So having Aaron Rodgers there is key. Yes, they're going to have to play well, but this Aaron Rodgers trade uh, that should, will be happening soon uh, is a big win uh, for the Jets. So then it's what does compensation look like? The Jets have the 13th pick in the draft this year. Uh, They don't really want to uh, part ways with that. And I understand that's a, that's a big, uh, the big draft uh, pick there. That 13th pick could be there uh, for the next, you know, 10, 15 years. You could really hit on the 13th pick. Uh, I believe when Tampa Bay uh, drafted before they got Tom Brady, they had around the 13th pick and they drafted Tristan Wirfs and he's to me the second uh, best right tackle in the game behind Lane Johnson. So that was a huge win. So I believe the Jets can target an offensive lineman in the draft, get a key cornerstone guy with 13. I wouldn't trade the 13th pick. If I were the Jets, I'd hold my position firm. Uh, the highest I'd go in this year's draft is a two. And I would, you know, just to sweeten the deal, because people talk about the Packers trade for Brett Favre and all they got was a conditional, you know, fourth-round pick. So I believe Aaron Rodgers is better, again, at this stage in his career than Brett Favre was. But if I'm the Jets, I'd offer a two. And a two or three next year, maybe sweeten it with a uh, uh, conditional that, if he plays next year, uh, that three could move to a two or possibly that two to a one, uh, considering, hey, uh, if we intend to uh, meet our goals this year with Aaron Rodgers, uh, that next year's pick ain't going to be worth a lot. So uh, definitely think uh, that is a route uh, they should go. Uh, the Jets should go see. What has been offered, there hasn't really been any reports of what has been offered uh, so far for Aaron Rodgers. Aaron Rodgers did mention that the Packers have stuck their, dug their heels in a bit. So uh, we'll see about that, what happens when this gets finalized. Uh, but I think Aaron Rodgers to the Jets, uh, 
is a big deal and it was a big win for both parties involved. A loser, you could say, is the Green Bay Packers. But we'll see what Jordan Love is made of. Next up, uh, Brandon Cooks. Brandon Cooks was traded to the Dallas Cowboys. Uh, and I think for a relatively small pick, I believe it was like a, a fourth or fifth round trick. Uh, fourth or fifth round pick. And it's just, to me, crazy because Brandon Cooks is a really solid receiver, uh, but he's tied for, you know, I believe I read the other day, he's tied for, you know, most traded player in NFL history. Uh, He's been traded four times. Uh, He was traded from New Orleans to New England, uh, New England to the Rams, uh, the Rams to Houston. So to me, it really is interesting uh, that he's traded this much, considering he's a constant thousand-yard wide receiver. Uh, he was only traded, like basically his whole career for fourth-round picks, uh, or you know just for picks and not much else. So it's interesting. He does have. Uh, concussion problems. And the other thing I find really weird is uh, he's been coached by some of the greats, uh, the Rams, Sean McVay. He started off in New Orleans and uh, Drew Brees and uh, Sean Payton. Uh, The Patriots with Tom Brady and uh, Bill Belichick, then to Houston and now to Dallas. So he's played for some good teams. It's not like he's been a part of a bunch of uh, bum teams around here. He's been part of uh, good teams, but again, he's a constant, you know, thousand yard receiver for his career. Uh, but has battled some injury histories, and then with his trade, I wonder what kind of locker room guy he is, considering uh, he's been traded so many times. This was his longest stint on one team, or tied for it with Houston three seasons. Uh, he started out his career, uh, you know, on the on the Saints for three years. So, again, interesting. Do I think this moves the needle for uh, the Cowboys? No, I do not think it. You know, moves their championship needle. That far, I do think it is an improvement, uh, considering they needed a wide receiver. Uh, there was talk about, you know, CeeDee Lamb being the guy this past year. And Dak Prescott traded away Amari Cooper. But, hey, you need a Brandon Cooks. Now, considering they lost Dalton Schultz, this Brandon Cooks trade uh, looks bigger and better than ever uh, for them, considering the price. So, I think this works. I think it will fit uh, for them. Do I think it's the biggest of additions, the biggest wins? Uh, do I think he'll be the, you know, the star guy here? No, that's C.D. Lamb. But, again, it's going to be interesting to see the Cowboys dynamic now, uh, making quite a few changes this offseason. Uh, and I think it's be more of the same. Uh, this is the same story I've seen with the Dallas Cowboys, uh, whether they stay pat, make changes, uh, 
they still relatively are usually not that good. So, or they're under, they underachieve. Let's, let's put it at that. So that's what I'll say about the Dallas Cowboys, uh, free agency so far. But let's get into four teams who won free agency and one that has sort of lost it. So my first team that has really won free agency, uh, that is the Detroit Lions. Uh, the Detroit Lions have had an excellent free agency to me, and I'm not being biased here. Uh, they have had a really good one. Uh, they have kept their coordinators. They kept Aaron Glenn, who interviewed. They kept Ben Johnson, who talked about interviewing. So that was a big thing to retain both coordinators. They haven't lost any offensive pieces yet. Monterey St. Brown is there. Jamison Williams will have another year. Uh, G.J. Charks has interviewed for a few places, but he hasn't uh, gone anywhere yet. So maybe there is a sliver of hope that he returns because when healthy, uh, I thought he was a really good wide receiver for them last year. And then for the running back position, uh, it was great because they um, lost Jamal Williams, which I know a lot of people were unhappy about losing Jamal because he's such a leadership locker room guy. I think that hurts uh, the leadership and the presence I do. Uh, but what they did is they replaced him at least with a better uh, running back in Montgomery. Uh, if you look at their total stats and touches and yards, it's eerily similar. And Montgomery has played two less seasons, so two less notches under the belt. Uh, he comes from a division rival in the Chicago Bears. Might tell you a couple things about how he runs there. Uh, last year was a down year for him battling injuries and kind of the emergence of Khalil Herbert. But he's had some really positive seasons. So Lions hit big there. And then on defense, they shored up the secondary. Uh, they got cheap or relatively cheap, affordable, good deals on Camp Sutton, Emmanuel Mosley. They signed C.J. Gardner-Johnson, which I think is the best move of all the free agency for any team. So, again, I think that is huge. They're the Detroit Lions that they went out and, you know, weren't ignorant, arrogant like Detroit Lions teams in the past and ignored their problems. Uh, they realized defensive side of a ball was a problem. They go out and get their guy. Other team I thought I won for agency, the Cincinnati Bengals. Uh, they didn't make a bunch of moves, but to me, they made one of the best and biggest moves, and that was signing Orlando Brown. And not only did the Bengals sign Orlando Brown, who I think, again, is one of the best left tackles in the game, they got him at a cheap deal, cheaper than what the Chiefs signed Jawan uh, there for there is basically his replacement. And it's another big win because you took Orlando Brown from your main rival right now, which is the Kansas City Chiefs. So, again, he'll come in. He'll protect Joe Burrow uh, with Lyle Collins being injured. Uh, their right tackle, they can move Jonah Williams over there. So that, to me, was a big, big move considering Orlando Brown has been the left tackle now for the Ravens, for the Chiefs. Uh, this guy can play. I think this is a big deal for the Bengals. Another team, the Texans. The Texans have had so many additions uh, this offseason. I don't even know if I can count them all on two hands. I know they lost Brandon Cooks. 
But yesterday they signed Devin Singletary, who I think will be a good backup for Damian Pierce and will be really good uh, in pass-down situations. They signed Dalton Schultz. He'll be the instant security blanket for whatever rookie quarterback comes their way this year. So that is a big, big deal. They signed Jimmy Ward, who D'Amico Ryan knows from his time at San Francisco. So I know the Texans have made some other moves as well. I believe they traded for Shaq Mason. But the Texans, to me, have been a laughing stock. I think they realize with this new head coach, it's time to really do some things considering. To me, the division is wide open. Yes, the Jaguars have staked their claim. Uh, but if the Texans can kind of hit on this draft, then uh, works for them. Then fourth, my fourth team that really won for agency is the Jets. Uh, the biggest reason is because they got Aaron Rodgers. Uh, they signed Alan Lazard as well. Uh, I believe there's going to be more deals than coming uh, for the uh, New York Jets. So, again, I just think this was a big win for the Jets, no matter um, how you slice it. So really, really good for them. Now, my one team that lost free agency, uh, the Patriots. Uh, Very interesting considering uh, two of their moves. One was signing Juju Smith-Schuster. I thought that was interesting because they signed him to the exact deal the Raiders got Jacoby Myers. Uh, I do believe they're a similar receiver. Uh, But the Patriots are usually not one to spend $11 million a year on a wide receiver. Uh, It's not high caliber like Juju. So that was a head scratch. And the other one was Mike Gusecki. Considering they have Hunter Henry, I kind of wondered, you know, they traded Johnny Smith. Why get Gusecki? Yes, from a division rival, but I thought their offseason was strange since Brady left. Their off-seasons have got worse and worse, uh, and it really feels like uh, Tom Brady was a mastermind behind a lot of these runs. You know, it was 50-50 before, and then Tom Brady goes and wins a Super Bowl, and it was, you know, 60-40, 70-30, and then now it's like 80-20, Brady. Uh, Patriots are getting weird. And then I'll throw this one in there as well. This is really a, a cheat uh, out for another team that lost free agency. Uh, it's more of a generalization as well. But it's any team who passed on Lamar Jackson that needed a quarterback. So any QB needed team that didn't pursue Lamar, I believe, lost free agency. Considering uh, I've been a big critic of Lamar, I know that. Uh, but considering I do think he is better than any quarterback in this year's draft class, I think Bryce Young is a better passer, uh, but I do prefer Lamar's size and speed and strength uh, over Bryce Young. Uh, Anthony Richardson, he calls himself Cam Jackson. I believe Lamar's a more refined Anthony Richardson. Uh, C.J. Stroud, I saw him fold in the two biggest games of his career against Michigan. Uh, I don't like that. And then Will Levis, I believe, is a project. He needs to sit at least a year uh, before he's ready. So then... You have quarterback needy teams out there. I thought the Dolphins, that would have been a prime situation for Lamar Jackson uh, to go to. They stuck with two. They picked up his fifth-year option. Uh, If you don't know what that means, when you pick up someone's fifth-year option, that means you'll get paid a top-ten salary 
for that position, and I do not believe he is worth it. Another team I thought passed at him, uh, and this one, they say they're still thinking about it, but it's the Colts. I think at four you can get Lamar and really get some help around him uh, at four, whether it be a receiver or a tackle. I think that would be a good fit considering, again, Jacksonville is the only one in that division. Uh, then moving to the NFC, Commanders, I thought would have been a good one as well uh, to sort of get Lamar considering Eric Biennemi is now the offensive coordinator. I mean, really, Sam Howell over Lamar Jackson doesn't make sense to me. Uh, I thought Chicago Bears were a dark horse considering Lamar Jackson is a better man's Justin Fields than any NFC South team. So I thought Atlanta should have kicked the tires on there. Uh, the Saints, obviously, they got Derek Carr, but really, a lot of teams, hopefully they don't play Lamar and lose. Uh, Lamar might be making a list. And speaking of Lamar, uh, again, I talked about this before my week off, is that he was signed to the non-exclusive franchise tag. But really, no one's interested in Lamar. Uh, and I, again... I've said this before, I've been the biggest Lamar critic, uh, but do I think he should not be a starting quarterback in the NFL? Heck no. Uh, I do not believe that at all. Uh, I mean, it's crazy that the Ravens didn't offer him anything proper uh, in terms of a contract, and to me it's even more frustrating how nobody signed him because if, again, if I were any of those teams uh, that I named, I would have gone after uh, Lamar Jackson. I mean, to me, it's a shocker uh, that Lamar isn't signed uh, with a team right now. I believe he is good enough to be a starting quarterback. Uh, the man won an MVP. Uh, so take that for what it's worth. Uh, again, he deserves to be a starting quarterback. It's Getting ridiculous. I know he's going to have his self-interview soon. Uh, who knows how that'll go, but if it's just going to clear some misinformation, misrepresentation up. Uh, but Lamar Jackson is definitely uh, should be a quarterback in the NFL. Plain as that. Now I want to talk about load management. I find it very interesting in the NBA, this conversation around load management. Uh, there's a, you know, different people have different thoughts on it. Some people uh, think it's, you know, fine for players to rest up, uh, not risk getting injured if they have a, you know, little nagging injury to not risk it. And then, um, uh, you know, to just not play. Other people feel that, you know, they're cheating the fans, uh, cheating the game, especially some players who don't have an injury designation. And, again, they're just load managing, uh, again, to not play or, you know, fully two slated games. Uh, and really what I've seen from load management is teams lose because of it. Uh, with the Dallas Mavericks lately, uh, it's been a struggle for them without Luka. Uh, when Kawhi, Kyrie doesn't play, uh, they are a totally different team. Uh, Lakers with Anthony Davis, when they rest him with no LeBron, 
Uh, when they load manage, when he fully fine like against the Rockets, they lose that game. Uh, must win games. The Clippers, when Kawhi doesn't play, it's very hard for them to win games. Uh, Giannis does it occasionally one or two, and they usually end up losing uh, that game. So it's just like an automatic loss. It's you know the teams are fine saying you know we'll rest our guy, but there's definitely a high chance we're losing this game, and that's something uh, I definitely appreciate the older players, Kobe, Michael Jordan. They were not okay with losing a game. They were going to play as many games as they can, all 82, if not as close to it, 80, 78. They were going to give it their all. Uh, we don't see that anymore in today's league. I believe load management hurts because when certain guys don't play, it's not as appealing to watch. When Giannis doesn't play, uh, I don't really want to watch the Bucks. When LeBron doesn't play, I uh, don't really want to watch the Lakers. If KD's not playing, don't really want to watch the Suns. And kind of that trickles down to all teams of, you know, Sixers, Joel. So it just loses fan engagement and fan interest. And to me is another reason why NFL is king, uh, because all their stars play. There is no load management if a guy has, you know, a minor injury, they're playing through it. Uh, so that's why I respect the NFL so much more. It's because we don't see players load managing saying, oh, I'm going to take this Sunday off. Uh, they don't need me. That's just not true. It's same on the NBA court. And really, to me, these players are so uh, conditioned. These, these are top-tier athletes uh, in the world who I believe can play on a back-to-back. So, you know, if I was in supreme condition like that, I'd probably be able to play basketball uh, every night two hours. And it's really, when you calculate the time, it's 38 minutes uh, game time. So it's all all very, very, very interesting. Now I want to talk about March Madness. Uh, This is probably, to me, been the most mad version of March Madness. Uh, I really do believe that. It has been wacky, weird, uh, so many upsets. I mean, you have uh, Arizona who lost to Princeton in the first round. That was a huge upset. I thought maybe it could happen, but I did not see that coming. Uh, that was crazy. The Furman over Virginia. Uh, Fairly Dickinson, FDU over Purdue was huge. Uh, a lot of people like Memphis. Uh, FAU beat them. Tennessee beat Duke. Uh, Kansas State beat Kentucky. Michigan State beat Marquette. Uh, so two two seeds are gone. Uh, two one seeds are gone. Uh, Houston just survived. Uh, you know, Kansas is gone, you know, it's just been really, really crazy. So in the Sweet 16, uh, we have Princeton, who's a double-digit seed in the Sweet 16, and we have, uh, I believe that's it, FAU is another high seed nine. So we have some interesting seeds here uh, in college basketball. Really, the West is wide open considering the one seed is no longer there. Uh, the 
South is really wide open. Yes, Alabama, but the two through four are gone. And then same with the East. You know, the one and two are gone. Uh, three and four are there, and then seven and nine. So it has just been wacky. Uh, but it has been a lot of fun, I will say that. I do like the uh, March Madness, the drama, the upsets, craziness of it all. But really, who's the favorite now? Uh, the two favorites really going into this thing, I believe, were Houston and Alabama. I picked Alabama in the majority of my brackets. Uh, I think after these two rounds, they do look like the best team uh, in college basketball. So I will give them that. Uh, but there's other teams that you can't count out. Michigan State's had good runs with Tom Izzo. The UCLA-Gonzaga, I think, will be winner of that game. Could very much well go to the Final Four. UConn is still alive. So great teams. I think Houston, uh, I think, will be the next one seed to fall. I don't know if they make it uh, to the Final Four, considering Texas is tough, but Texas plays Xavier. So there's great matchups, great teams. But I do like Alabama to win it all. Uh, that was my pick in most of my brackets. I'm sticking with it. But if I had to pick a dark horse to advance to the Elite Eight, uh, win this next round of games, I'm going with Princeton. Uh, I think Princeton can definitely beat Creighton. I don't understand how Creighton's a 10-point favorite, uh, considering Princeton has beat uh, Arizona. Uh, they beat Missouri. So that's all all interesting to me. But it's going to be great. going to be a great finish to this college basketball season into March Madness. Uh, looking forward to it all. This has been Unbothered. I'll talk to you all later. Bye, everybody.